So now we've delved into some of the deeper themes of mikvah. Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's go back to the very Torah source of mikvah and try to understand many of the fascinating halachic sugyas and ian sugyas relating to this topic. So the Torah source, the Pasuk says, Ach mayanu bor, and the end of the Pasuk says, Yetahor. So the Pasuk is discussing two different types of mikvahs. One is a ma'ayan, which essentially is water that's already deep in the ground, so like an ocean, or let's say, you know, you dig water and you find a wellspring, some water that's already existing. And then a bore is a receptacle. Basically, you dig a hole and it receives rainwater. So nowadays, most communities are using uh, rainwater, use a bore. But we have a fundamental question, which is, how do we know for what is the Torah Makor, what's the Torah source for the fact that you go into a mikvah to become Tahor? So the Pasuk says, Yeh Tahor, what does Yeh Tahor mean? So Rashi actually gives two explanations on the Pasuk of what Yeh Tahor means. The first one is not what you think. The first one is not saying that you'll become Tahor if you go into this body of water. It's saying the water itself of the mikvah remains tahor and cannot become tummy. So it's saying it has nothing to do with the person going to the mikvah or a person going out of the mikvah that they'll become tahor. If you were, let's say, tummy or nido or whatever it is, yeah, tahor, according to this interpretation, means that the mikvah is immune. It cannot become mikabal As in what? As in once you get a shame mikvah, it becomes immune to being mikabal So this is not really shaykh nowadays because we're not really machmir for tumatara. So yes, there are things which are halachically still relevant in this regard. So for example, schach can be makabal tumah. Um, anida, when it comes to kesem, uh, the only issue is if it falls on something that's makabal tumah. So, for example, now the community is toilet water. If toilet water is considered to be mekarka, so it's water that's connected to the ground, um, then it's like a mikvah and won't be mekabotuma. Uh, so that comes up in Shas. There are a couple sugis related to this. But for the most part, according to this first interpretation of Rashi, this is not very helpful for learning out what we know as a mikvah. This is just saying that water that is this type of water would not become tummy. But the second interpretation of Rashi is that the person who goes into the mikvah will become tower. Not that the water remains tower, but that you can become tower by entering into this water. And lahalacha, we accept both shitos of Rashi, but the second one is very important because that's our our, our our source for mikvah. So just an important aside, there is a concept of Maim Chaim, so Mayim Chaim is really only for a Zav, and the Torah discusses Mayim Chaim as a mikvah, comes up in Parshat Mitzorah. Uh, in addition to Bor and Mayan, this Mayim Chaim is water that's flowing, it's a Mayan that's flowing, and it's really only for a Zav, and I can talk about it much right now. But when it comes to mikvahs, we saw two different types. We saw a Bor, a pit that collects rainwater, and we saw a Mayan. Now, there's some major, major distinctions between these two. And we have to understand what the reason behind these distinctions are. For example, of the size. A bore has to be 40 saw. 40 saw, we explained the depth behind the number 40 in the, in the, first, in the previous year. But the idea of having a specific size, why does it have to have a specific size? And number two, it has to be stagnant. It has to, it can't be moving or flowing. It has to be ashboren, stagnant. So what's the idea here? So first, just understanding that 
a bore has to be 40 saw, which the sheer 40 saw practically is that it covers the whole body of a person once. And the mayan doesn't have to have a set shear. It has to, you know, it just needs to be as big as whatever is being placed into the mayan. So it kind of practically has to be 40 saw, as in you have to be able to fit in it, but not fundamentally 40 saw. As in, you know, there are, by the way, some restrooms that think that the only difference is really for, for Kalim. For Kalim, it can be less than 40 saw, but even, I mean, according to several Rishonim, even a Mayan requires 40 sa for Tfilas Adam, when a person goes in. So it's not clear that there's a distinction here, but many Rishonim uh, do still feel that there is a distinction and that only a boy requires 40 sa, a Mayan doesn't, uh, so, but 40 sa is required for a human being to immerse, oh, let's say the person's short, let's say, like, not every, you know, Universal shear applies to everybody, so there are ways of making halukim and distinctions. But one, at least according to many poskim, one distinction is size. It has to be 45 as a bore, and another is it has to be stagnant. Meaning what? A bore cannot be uh, moving, flowing. You can't have a crack or a leak, a zochlin. You can't have anything like that. Um, the whole idea of a bore, according to at least the Mordechai, some of the, the modern posts quote the Mordechai, that the definition of a mikvah is kava v'kaimi, as in, it's literally, it's, it's static. So uh, Rav Chaim in Bresk used to build his mikvah above ground so you can easily see if there's a leak, because the whole idea of this kind of bore is that it's not moving. Why? So, and why is El Mamayin allowed to be flowing? So if we go back to how we develop the theme of what a mikvah is, we're going back to our ultimate source, we're going back to our root of perfection, we're going to our natural root, we're going to a point of our own existence that's shalim, that's complete, that's static, that's perfect. So the idea that the mikvah is creating that means that the mikvah also needs to be that. So the mikvah needs to be static. So what's the idea of mikvah? It's natural, it's pure, it's at root. So there's two forms of that. One is that it's natural in the sense that this is a natural water body, natural waterbed. So that's a mayan. Its natural state is flowing. But for us to create a natural body of water, for us to create a mikvah, then <clears throat> the natural element of that type of body of water would be that it would have to be static. So... The fact that it can't be flowing and there has to be, I mean, we're getting back to something which can create a reformation, a recreation of self, that's 40 sa, and we're creating something which is static and pure and root-oriented, so it can't be moving or flowing, it can't be in the realm of time, of movement that has to be static. So that would be an interesting way of approaching this type of big distinction. And there... There are other ways of approaching as well. We're not going to get into right now. But the, the basic question is, what is a Mayan and what is a boar? So for example, let's say you have a river. What's a river? Is a river a Mayan? doesn't seem to be, right? Because what's a Mayan? A Mayan is water that's in the ground. It's water that's dug up. right? An ocean also is, is another example. You can use this. But a river, a river is complicated. Why? Because a river, it might be a mikveh, it might be mayan, it's not clear. It might be a boar, but like stam mikveh is a boar, it might be a boar, it might be mayan. Why? Because if the river is a mayan, it was natural rainwater, then it's fine. But if it's a boar, it'd be possible. Why? Because it's moving, it's flowing. So 
the Gemara actually discusses this and says it really depends on the season because it's flowing. So if it's a Mayan, it's fine, but it's you know, it might not be in like a natural body where it might be rainwater and then it won't be kosher. So the halacha, according to the Gemara, is that it depends on the season. And the Gemara says that in the winter, where the majority is rainwater, it's possible because it's a boar that's moving. But if it's not a rainy season, the majority is not rainwater, then it'd be kosher. So there is a question, which is that there's another Gemara that seems to imply that a river is always kosher. And that would, you know, seem to contradict this, which would say that it depends on the season. Um, so the reason why that Gemara would assume that either maybe it assumes that there's always more Mayan than rainwater, so therefore it's okay that it's flowing because the rainwater is not the majority. Um, and the Svara there would be that the rainwater causes the other weather to come to the surface, and you would kind of create this assumption that conceptually you are in a majority of non-rainwater, which is complicated to create categories in larger bodies of water, which is, that, is it dependent on the whole river? Is it dependent on where you are? How do you create those boundaries? So there are different different sheets within the postkin, within some of the more modern postkin, some of the earlier postkin. Marik uh, actually said that there's a minhag that it's always mutter to travel in the river uh, because of this gemara, which seems to imply that. Uh, the Shulchan Aruch, though, is machmir. He says, Ideally, you really need to create a stationary body of water in the river. Like you have to make a partition. You have to use mats. You base this on the Rambam. And the Rambam quotes the Maharik and says, though, that if there's no other mikvah, you can be makel in this Maharik. You can rely on this Maharik and you can use river. So, in general, it is. there are other complications as well, by the way, just because when you. just because you find water that you dug doesn't mean it's a Mayan. So for example, Mayan water is kosher, right? If you find a natural body of water underneath the ground, that's kosher, that's kosher mikvah water. But let's say you find, you dig and you find water, it could be water that came from a river. Just because you dug it doesn't mean it's from a Mayan. So the mission actually calls this Meitansa uh, Shilopasku, right? So how do you know? So the post can come up with different ways. Rishon Zalman Arbach used to say that uh, he held the lacha that if there are minerals in the water, then it's meimayan. That there, the post can discuss this. But the the first and foremost, most important thing is to discover or to you know kind of clarify what type of water are we dealing with? Are we dealing with a bore or mayan? Because we discussed how a bore requires forty sa for sure, and a bore requires it to be static. Mayan doesn't necessarily require 40, and it can be flowing. So that's the most important first level of distinction. Both of these types of mikvos are essentially getting to the different forms of creating the type of medium that can connect you back to your ultimate root, whether it's something that's naturally in this world or something that you're creating that's still static and natural and pure and getting back to the root. Now we have to deal with some of the problems that come up with mikvos. For example, zechila leaking. So when it comes to, especially a bore, when it comes to a, a standard mikveh that we use, if a mikveh has a leak, it's a puzzle. So if it's a mayan that's flowing, it's leaking, it's fine, right? But the mikveh that we use, which is a bore, can't have any leaking. So what type of leaking is a problem? So remember, what's the, what's the problem with leaking? It creates something that's not static. It creates movement. It creates flux. And the whole point of mikvah is going back to something that's root, something that's beyond zman, beyond time. We're going back to our root selves. We need something that is perfect, and we need something that is static. So what's considered a problematic leak? So the Rashba has a shuja, which is only a zechila nikeres, only a recognizable leak is a problem. 
So why? Because we're human. You can't be perfect. Everything is going to have, you know, some leakage. But once it gets to the point where it's a serious leak, that's a problem. But especially back then where they used to have mikvos in the ground and the water, it is, some of the water is going to seep into the dirt. Of course, there's going to be some leaking. But the question is, what is, what's the threshold where it becomes a problem? So Shulchan quotes this Rashba and says that only is the Nekaris, only recognizably because of a problem. Now, we're going to have to discuss what type of problem, what is the in the moment, but the Vilna going to ask a big kash on Shulchan Arach, which is, the, there's a debate of Zechil Hamalam Imam. So we need 40 sa, and the, there's a debate about what about a leak that's above the 40 sa line? So you already have 40 sa that's static, and then above that, let's say you have 50 sa in your mikvah, Zechil Hamalam Imam, above that 40 sa line, there's a leak. So the 40 underneath the line is stagnant, right? It's not, it's not moving. But there is a leak above it. So the Shulchan Arach says, he thinks that if the leak is above the 40 sa line, it's kosher. Right, since there's four Yisrael, this kosher, right? And the, the Ramad says that we should be machmi here, but the Rashba Shita of Zechil and Yikaris is based on the Rashba's other Shita, the Zechil Lamalimimem is normally puzzle. And he's qualifying this Shita by saying that even though it's normally puzzle, if it's not Nikaris, if it's not recognizable, it won't puzzle the mikvah. So the question of the Vilna is how can you use the, the Rashba Shita as your Shita, the Rashba is talking about a case that you already think is fine. Meaning, you're using this Shita, the Rashba, for under the 40 cell line. The Rashba is using this for over the 40 cell line. Right? Even the Rashba agrees that Zechili Nikaris is puzzle underneath the 40 cell line. So he, it's a bomb kasha, and the modern pros can, Rav Moshe, um, have to deal with this. And he said that we can still be making. I mean, we don't have to hold like this one. We can still hold like a shulchanach. What is the shulchanach essentially doing? So there are different ways of approaching shulchanach. The most posh way of approaching shulchanach is that he's using the Rashba's principle for his own shitas, and he's not holding like the Rashba. He's holding like the principle of the Rashba, which is that zechil and nikares uh, doesn't qualify. Does not. It's not established as as a zechila. Now, once again, zechila shein nikaris, zechila nikaris. How do we establish these? Number two is is a zechila that's not recognizable. Not zechila at all. Is it minor zechila? Does it matter if it's above the forest line? Not above the forest line. How important are these distinctions? So the 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 shulchan aruch is essentially saying that zechila shein nikaris, zechila a leak that's not recognizable is not a zechila at all, and therefore even under the forty saw line. Um, it would be fine, um, which would which obviously get so many questions. Like, but then you're not going to have forty sa. Okay, so zechilah shenikaris means that like it's literally just a tiny drip, um, and you're going to be refilling it. Like, how's this working? These are a lot of questions you could be asking. But the Rav Moshe's makel when it comes to still relying on the shulchan aruch, even with the Vilnagon's question, and you have to say the Vilnagon's are using the Rashba's principle without adopting the actual Rashba shita. So, what is zechilah? And you care what Zechilish and Nikaris, what is recognizable? So there are different ways of approaching recognizability. One way of approaching it is like, and you have to think, like, how would you recognize a leak? So one way is if you see the actual water of the mikvah moving, right? Moving down. You're like, there must be a leak. Another approach is if you look on the outside and you see waters flowing out. You see like a puddle of water, you see it's wet. Different ways of doing it. So what's 
What's the difference? The difference is that it's a lot more makele to say that you have to see the leak on top because for you to be seeing the actual water of the mikvah moving down, there has to be a serious leak. So Revis Chachachan Inspector, uh, he was one of the postkim who said he is huge kula. He says it's only if it's a major leak. It's only if you can actually see it from on top. If you can't see it from on top, then it's not a clear leak, right? If it's moving on top, it's a clear leak. Otherwise, no. Um, on the outside, uh, you know, some, uh, it, it basically requires uh, a lot less of a leak. So the Imre Yosher says that on the outside of the mikvah, only if you see on the outside, even if you see on the outside, I should say, um, then that's considered zechilinikaris. But he does qualify and say if it's dripping, it's okay. If it's a flow, then it's a problem. So even though he's a little more machmir and where you're looking, he's still... So, so actually, some of the achronim, they note that the shulchan archshita to use a mat to create a partition in the river that we just mentioned, it actually seems to be like the shita of Yitzhak Gilchan Inspector uh, because there would probably still be some zechil in that case. So it would have to be that he's a little more makel, which, which makes sense based on what we just said. But that would be how we define the care. So now, what about... And here's an interesting question. What if water is flowing into the mikvah, not out of it? So what are some cases? Well, let's say you left the faucet on. So the water is flowing into the mikvah. So what's the real nature of this question? Number one, how we define zechila Is flowing just the concept of movement itself, or is it leaking? Right? Zechila literally is referring to leaking, but is it the fact that this is now a moving mikvah, it's no longer static? So then you'd say, yeah, it doesn't matter where water is coming from. But if it's about, no, definitively, the movement has to be out because if the movement's coming in, either that's part of creating the mikvah, you can come up with different ways of, of getting around the problem, especially the more you want the mikvah to be pure, perfect, static, the more that you'd be very inclined to say any movement's a problem. So many shitos are mikl. They say zechil is only water that's flowing out, but the Devrachaim and others are machmer. He thinks that even this would be zechila. Um, there are some who don't think he really means this, but uh, <laughs> he seems to say that. Uh, another version of this is filters. So normally we were very careful to keep the filter off when someone goes into the mikvah. But what if the mikvah, the person who, ran the, the person who runs the mikvah, what if they accidentally left the filter on? Right? They, they forgot to turn it off. So there are many shitos that are makel. So for example, if Moshe's makel for a similar story we mentioned previously when it comes to water flowing into the mikvah, that since the water's coming back in, it's not really a leak. So you say, basis this on the rivash. Um, it's not really. So other are machmer. So the case of Rivash was where the water was coming back into the mikvah by itself. In this case, there's an external koach, an external force pushing the water back in. So he, so others uh, don't really like the use of the Rivash. But the Rivash's sheet is basically, it has to be a real zechila, a real leak. The water's coming back in, so it's fine. Again, this is assuming that movement's fine. It's not about movement. It's more either losing the shear or, th- or like a fundamental movement where you're really going to be losing it. And everybody and other posts can also think that because there's an external force, it's not zechila. I mean, according to, uh, according to some post game, zechila is only if the water is coming up by itself naturally. It's literally just like spilling up. If something is pushing it out, then it's okay. Then you can say, like, what's the real distinction there? And remember, many, many are machmir. They say that there is a problem here. And 
the more that we want it to be static, the more we want it to be perfect, the more we want it to be something which literally doesn't move at all as beyond space and time to a degree, the more we'd be inclined to say this would be a problem. So now we're going to go to another very, very... It's an issue that comes up all the time. It's a very popular and, and it's a problem when it comes to a lot of mikvos and how to deal with this problem is the issue of shuvim, <clears throat> mayim shuvim. So the principle of mayim shuvim is that if the water was in a kli, then the water can't be used for mikvah. It's called mayim shuvah. So, for example, if you take water in a bucket and then pour it into the mikvah, that's a problem. So if a person pushed the water into mikvah, literally any use of, of getting involved in the water makes it a problem. So what's the svara? The svara is that the water needs to be natural. Remember, mikvah is going back to your roots, going back to your pure root. Uh, pre-creation, you're recreating yourself. You're going back to a formless state. It's before... Yidei Adam, before the, the hands of man are involved in the world, so you can't be, you can't enter a kli, you can't be involved in it. So then the question is, how do we do that? So first of all, there are some dinim involved here, some very ancient dinim. So one din, which, which comes up, is that once you have a kosher mikvah of 40 sa, then you can put in as much ma'im shuvim as you want. Right. What, what's this far? As far as once you have a shame mikvah, once you have a pure mikvah, the mikvah can transform all the other maim shuvim into good water. So that's, you know, there is a horror stories, by the way, where a man didn't understand salacha. So he used to put maim shuvim in first and then put the kosher 40 sun afterwards. And he did this for years. It was mamish crazy, crazy story. Um, you never want to hear such things. Uh, and there's another um, sheet, that, which is that if three lugan, uh, of that fall into the mikvah before the 40 saw, I mean, a three lugan of Mayim Shuvim, then that's only Asad uh, It's not Asad So these are some clues which are very important to know when people are running mikvahs and just mistakes happen. There are ways of dealing with it, and it's important to know these principles. So Mayim Shuvim in general, there's a big debate whether Mayim Shuvim is an Asad and Asad Is this something which is fundamentally problematic? Is it just you know, a get there in terms of other things. So the Rambam thinks that Maim Shuvim seems, he seems to imply that it's only Apostle uh, Dirabanan, and the Shulchan they disagree, they think that it's a Dindiraisa. And when it comes to dealing with Maim Shuvim, there are ways of getting around it. So, for example, we have, let's say, Maim Shuvim, drawn water, and we want to now make that water kosher mikvah. So what do we do? So the Lacha is something called Hamshacha, which is that if the Mayim Shuvim first rolls on the floor and then flows into the mikvah, then it may not be a problem of Mayim Shuvim. So the Rambam thinks it's kosher. So the Rambam might think it's kosher because he thinks it's only Nisad to begin with. Um, others think it takes it down from an Nisad to an uh, But because the Rambam thinks it's an Nisad to begin with, then Hamshacha would basically get it from an Nisad to being actually mother. But there are two requirements for Hamshacha, for this process of having the water flow roll into the mikvah. One is that there has to be at least three tfachim of flowing. The other is that there needs to be karka, which is rail vloa, which is the water can seep into it and be absorbed and then come back out of it. So why? So if you think about what does hamshacha do? What, what, you have water which is problematic. It's now touched by human hands. It was in a kli. It was, it's no longer natural. How do you get it to become natural? How do you get it back to a proper state of mikvah water, of tower water that can become, that, that can help you become tower. So one way of thinking of it is that you can try to recreate the water. How are you going to recreate the water? 
you're going to allow the water to become Sw that's the, the rail of loa concept where it's swallowed up by the ground and then when it comes back out it's like new water so that's the mordechai's approach which is that the the karka belua the the, uh, the the ground that swallows the water it spits it back out and it's like new water so when you have the water roll down this type of floor it's becoming new so it's, it loses its status of mayim shuvim because it basically becomes mayim chadash it becomes new water Another approach, a similar approach, is the concept of distance, which is that when the water removes itself from the makam, in which case it had its previous identity, it becomes disconnected to its original place and therefore gets a new status. So it's, it's the concept of Revloa as opposed to literally, literally being regurgitated and recreated. It's distance from its original place, which gives it its new status. That's the Rivash. And he says it's a then distance. So we actually try to do both. We use cement because we have three tfachim distance, and also we assume it's ray of loa, so it's kind of like swallowing up the water and spinning it back out, allowing it to become new. So that's one way that we solve the problem. But even when we solve the problem, there's another issue that we have in mikvahs, which is getting the water into the mikvah. Because let's say you have water, you collect it on the roof, now you want to get it from the roof, it rolls down the you know, three tfachim, it goes, you know, let's say you have a way of collecting it, whatever it is, but you want to, whatever the case is, whether, let's say there's no mime-shipping problem, right? And you're collecting water and you collect it on the roof of, of, the, of the mikvah, of the mikvah house. So what happens usually is that when you collect the water on the roof, it has to then go into the pipes and then travel down into the area where people are tovel, people go into the mikvah. What's the problem though? The problem is that there are curved pipes in the building. So let's say someone builds a mikvah in the basement of a building, then it's difficult to have a pipe run like literally through the middle of the building straight from where they're collecting the water into the mikvah. So usually there's like curved pipes, it bends around and transports the water. But what's the problem? The problem is that the rivid, according to you know, a certain way of reading the Ravid. The Ravid is very machber. He says that a curved pipe is a kli. Why? It's a kli because it has a base keeble. So, and Chedush Arilib, Reb Arilib Malin, explains what's what's the what's the Ravid saying? He's saying that because the pipe curves, the water is going to change direction, and therefore, once it, when it changes direction, there's like a pause, a large enough pause that it's considered to be a kli keeble, as if it's resting there. And therefore, the water, you know, conceptually, quote unquote, is stopping for a moment to change directions. So it's considered to be a clickable, and that's going to make it makabel tuma. And therefore, we're going to have a big problem. And many poskim are noheg like this chumra understanding of the rivid, and it's it's a problem, right? So what are you going to do? So one approach is to not have curved pipes. Very difficult to do, but. Some think that you have to do that. There are some postmen that think that what you can do is you can construct a pipe without really making it into a bent pipe. So what you do is you essentially you take two unbent pipes and you make a hole in one of them and insert one through the pipes, one of the pipes into the hole so that it's never fully coming to a stop. Meaning it's as opposed to bending, it's like enough of a continuous flow to get out. So. This is a chumrah which not everyone really holds of to begin with, and even those who do, there are ways of getting around it by trying to minimize the bend, minimize the stopping as much as possible. Now, one of the most fundamental 
issues when it comes to mikvah is tap water. We want to make sure that you're not using tap water. Like all of Kleistrel's minhagul halacha is not to use tap water for mikvah. And why not? So what is tap water? So one approach is that my is that tap water, sink water, faucet water is my juvim. Why? Because it's entered into a water meter, which is a kli, and therefore it becomes problematic for mikvah water. There are those who want to say maybe it's not Mayim Shuvim. Not Lalacha. Lacha, it is Mayim Shuvim. But in the discussion, in Lambdas, we want to understand why. So maybe it's not Mayim Shuvim. Why wouldn't it be? So you could say because the water meter is a Kli, but it's a Kli that's Mechubar Lakark. It's connected to the ground. It's made to be in the ground. So just like it's not Mechabal Tuma, right? Something that's Mechubar Lakarka that's made for being in the ground. It's not Mechabal Tuma. We talked about you know, toilets and things like that, where it's not Makaptuma, perhaps it shouldn't trigger Mayim Shuvim. Shouldn't be a problem. So the Nodbi Huda says, absolutely not. Mamish, Mayim Shuvim, you have to be Mayim Why? Because if something is made to be in the Karka, it's not Makaptuma, uh, but that's only in Tuma, right? We're talking about, when it comes to Mikvah, it's not a question about whether or not it's Makaptuma, it's a question of whether it's a Kli. And if it's a kli, it's still mayim shuvim, even if it's not makabal tuma. So tap water, which comes from water tanks that are in the ground, yes, maybe you get around tuma questions, but it's still mayim shuvim because it's a kli. There are shikas that are mekel, not lalacha, no one really holds of them. Um, but the reason why even within the sugya of lamdus, the shikas are mekel is because they would say that Either it is the Ntuma, or once it's made to be used for the ground, once it's Nasa Lashamish as a Karka, then it's like Karka, and it's not even a Kli. So the Gedule Tara is famous for having that Shita, but again, no one holds like Alacha. We hold that you cannot use tap water. Um, we assume that tap water is Mayim Shuvim, and therefore we do Hashaka. What is Hashaka? So we'll end off with this, which is how do we actually build our mikvos? So the issue when it comes to mikvos nowadays is that we want clean water. People have a certain hygiene level where you don't want to just be dipping yourself in rainwater. So we want to figure out a way that you can keep the water clean, or change out the water, keep the water clean, figure out how to use tap water without using tap water. How do we allow you to go into a clean mikvah with it still being rainwater, halachically? So what we do is like this. It's called hashaka, bor hashaka, which is we construct two boros ad- adjacent to each other. So two mikvos are connected to each other. One is a bor tzvila, which is the one you're going into, you're dipping into, and one is a bor hashaka, which is the rainwater, the actual pure mikvah. And the way it works is that a bor tzvila has the tap water and it's connected to the bor hashaka through a hole, as in they're adjacent to each other and there's a hole. And what does this assume? So First of all, we're assuming that the Mayim Shuvim can become kosher when it touches the rainwater. So you're basically having two mikvahs touching each other, assuming that the kosher mikvah is transforming the non-kosher mikvah. So where is that coming from? We have to understand what that is. And also, the gap, this this neck of hashaka, the, the gap has to be around, I would say, two inches, the size of two fingers, right? So the, the Mishnah talks about this in terms of the kinds of Ashaka. The, the, the issue is like this. We're connecting two kosher mikvos. So the Mishnah talks about this in a little bit of a different context. The Mishnah talks about two boroughs that each have 20 saw. And this concept of this whole connecting it together can connect 20 saw together to create 40 saw. So this concept of of, of 
this hole that connects two portions of water together is enough to create one whole mikvah. Now, the poskim that are using this creatively are saying it's also enough to kasher ma'im shuvim. Right? The mission doesn't talk about that. The mission doesn't talk about koshering ma'im shuvim. It talks about just connecting two bodies of rainwater together. We're mekel halacha because most Rishonim and the Shulchan Aruch do assume that we can apply this principle for the Bor Hashaka to kasher ma'im shuvim. So, how does this work? So, first of all, What's the concept here? Well, the concept here is that if you, it's it's essentially a concept of bittel in a transformative way. So there are different sugis of bittel and rove and how these things work and taking something which is potentially puzzle and knocking it out or kashering it, things like that. So the idea would be that once you have a kosher mikvah, anything which connects to that mikvah, remember we talked about before, if you pour more water into a kosher mikvah, even if it's rainwater, once it has a status of a kosher mikvah, it's transformative. So we're applying that here through the connective model, where we're not pouring it in, but we're connecting them together, and the status of a kosher mikvah now transforms the mikvah, which is parallel to it right next to it. So now the question is, what is the nature of that transformation? So what's a big nafka? I mean, what if the, the hole is closed while someone goes into the mikvah? Is it working that once the mikvahs are connected, the mayim shuvim, the, the non-natural rainwater, is now transformed? So, of course, you can close up the hole. Just when you pour more in, you have to pour more you know, mayim shuvim, you have to reopen the gap so that we can kosher it. Or is it a continuous flow, kind of like electricity, where there's a kosher mikvah, a non-kosher mikvah, the non-kosher mikvah is getting its kosher status from the kosher mikvah. If you plug up the hole, it's now a non-kosher mikvah. It's kind of like if you close a circuit, if you like uh, take the light bulb out, if it's not getting electricity, it's no longer lighting up. If you close that hole between the two bodies of water, it's no longer kosher. So the Shulchan Aruch is actually mekel and says as long as they touched at one point, the Maim Shufim is mutter, and even if you plug up the hole, it's fine. Chad Pami is kosher. And it's based on the rush. So... There are different shitas there, machmir. Um, another problem is that we empty out the mikveh every day. So you have to be very careful that the mikveh that you're entering had at one point touched it, because if, let's say, someone forgot to open it up at one point, you're not going in a kosher mikveh. So we have to be super careful about that. But the shach is actually machmir altogether. And he quotes Rabbi Yerucham, who says that the mefarshim are mistapik about this question. And therefore, uh, the shach says, that's tov lachmir, you should be machmir. And the minhag is actually to be machmir, right? So we keep the hole open when people go into the mikvah. Um, especially when women go into the mikvah, because that's much more much more serious. When men go into the mikvah, the plug actually is usually closed, and we rely on the shulchan aruch. But when women go in, we keep it open. So, Another possible way of building a mikvah is through zuriya. And this is a related way, which is that instead of having two mikvahs being parallel to each other, once we have a kosher mikvah 40 sa, you can put in as much maim shuvim as you want. So you're basically pouring on top. So the way it works, the way zuriya works, is that first we create a kosher mikvah 40 sa, and then we add tap water into that mikvah, and the tap is turned on in such a way that the water arrives from the same direction as the Megishamim, and after the tap water arrives at the Borzria, the tap water will overflow into the Bor Tefillah. So the actual Tefillah mikvah is going to be almost 100% tap water, and one big advantage of this is that sometimes people forget to unplug 
the, the uh, in the Bor Hashaka, and that's a very big halachic problem. So this kind of gets around that. It it's also some rainwater will be here, so some people you know still don't aren't so comfortable with that. But uh, there there are different approaches for how to do this, and that's definitely one approach. So we so we have Bor Hashaka and Borzria. And there's actually a big problem potentially with the Bor Hashaka because there's a sukkah that comes up that what if you add something to 40 sa of rainwater and then take a saw out? So it's called Nasan Sa Vinatasa. So the Gaman Yavamas and the Mishnah Kvaz talks about this, where the case is you have a mikvah that's 40 sa of rainwater and you put in a sa of something possible. And then once some water is taken out, so the mikvah is kosher. So the question is number one, how long can we do this for? And the answer given is ad rubo, right? As long as there's still a rove of rainwater, it's okay. But the question, the real question is, what is happening in this Gemara? What's going on here? What does this mean? Like, what, for example, what is really being put into the mikvah? So the Rosh and Tam think that it's limited to Mepiros. Right? He's putting in Mepiros, so we still need rove rainwater because the Mepiros isn't changed or transformed into kosher water. Um, but Maim Shuvim, if it was Maim Shuvim, then one can continue to do this forever because Maim Shuvim becomes kosher uh, when you do this Ria. But the Rambam thinks that it's talking about Maim Shuvim. So even for Maim Shuvim, according to the Rambam, um, we would always need rove to be rainwater. And L'halacha, the Shulchan Aruch is mekel, paskins like the Rush and Rabbeinu Tam, that uh, for my sure we can do this forever, but the Shach is machmir. The Shach thinks that we should be machmir like the Rambam, always have a majority of at least 51% rainwater. So now we have a problem. Now we have a problem, because according to many, we should be machmir like the Rambam and the Shach. And if we are machmir, then if we also keep the Chumrah of keeping the plug open, like the other Shach who's machmir, Remember, Shach is Machmir two different places. Then we're going to have a little bit of a problem because what's going to happen? The water will end up getting displaced eventually. And in the course of a few months, there won't be 51% rainwater in the mikvah, in the real rainwater mikvah, connected to the tefillah mikvah. And you know, some of the rainwater is going to end up in the tefillah mikvah when people immerse themselves, and that water gets renewed every day. So eventually, the rainwater mikvah is going to be less than 51% rainwater, or at least less than you know 50% rainwater, and we're going to have a problem. So what are we going to do? So you can say, oh, we don't hold like the chumras of the shach. That's one approach. Another approach is to use 100% rainwater, but that's not very clean. People don't like that. Some people say go to the ocean. Again, not very practical. People don't really want to do that. But the Chabad has an approach which a lot of poskim do like, even non-Chabad poskim like, which is the approach of bor al-gabi bor. Now this is what they do. It's essentially hashaka, but instead of having the two mikvahs parallel next to each other, they're on top of each other. So the rainwater, the mikvah of rainwater is underneath, and that one comes first, and the tap water is on top, and it's heated, you know, which rises, and the person dunks into this upper tefillah mikvah, and the hole then connects these two mikvahs. So essentially, this is making it, the people think that this approach is going to basically lessen the displacement of water, and, you know, there's other advantages. Also, it's also easier to build. So you only need to build one hole in the ground with two levels. But some critique it and say that it's, you know, it's, it's moving, it's it's katafras in a chibor, it's sloped. The different sugas come up in chas that make this potentially problematic. But many say that it's not a problem because the problem of having a sloped, you know, mikvahs on an angle that connect to each other is that it's going to be moving 
And here, the water is all static. So without getting into those, those are very, very interesting sogyas. Uh, many Pesachim think that these mikvahs are kosher l'chadchile, solve many, many problems. Some are actually super, super, it's not even machmir, it's like just adding everything in. They do a bor hashaka and a bor agabe bor, and some even uh, do borzri as well. So there are many different ways of, of getting around this problem when you hold of the, the chromos of the shach. But essentially, we covered so many fascinating, fascinating topics related to mikvah, relating to the nature of mikvah, the machshava mikvah, having a mikvah that is reflecting of the concept of something pure, natural, static, something that helps you get back to a pure, natural root state of existence so you can come back into the world reborn, ready to live with the ideals of, of truth, the, the kol Torah kul that we learned in the womb, really living our purpose. And we should be inspired that, number one, we understand the depth, the wisdom, the profound the profound nature of kol Torah kul, every sugi in Shas, every sugi in Torah. We understand that every Everything is deep, interconnected, and full of brilliance. But also, when we go to a mikvah, now we can experience it on a much deeper level with these covenants, with this wisdom, with this incredible Torah. And we should be inspired to use these ideas in all our other learning and continue striving to live a life of truth, of Hashem, and achieving our ultimate purpose.